And welcome to the worldwide broadcast of the Ted Nelson Brower Show, bringing you the latest world news and health research. And I want to start today's show off by telling you guys thank you. And you say, well, what in the world's Ted starting off telling us thank you? And where in the world is Austin and what's going on? Well, this is an interesting story, and it's got a good happy ending to it. Uh, Austin's fine, but he was traveling on a backcountry road on Saturday with a friend in his car, and he had a uh, left rear tire separate and basically explode and come off on the automobile. Now, I've had that happen before, and what happens is the car kind of gets out of control, and it's exactly what happened. And Austin ended up in a shallow ditch that he slid through and then ended up going through a field and impacting some cypress trees. A uh, car was totaled. Austin ended up having to go to the hospital, and he was checked out, and he was fine, and he pretty much walked away from the accident, as did his friend. So I want to thank you guys, and I mean this very sincerely. You guys praying for us all of the time, and me praying for Austin, and Austin praying, and all of us praying together in aggregate. I can honestly tell you that this was a miracle, and that Austin is fine. Uh, he basically got out of the car walked away from it, friend got out of the car, walked away from it, and uh, it was a complete and total miracle by the hand of God. And personally, this was bad enough that the angels probably didn't get involved with this one. <laughs> it, was, it was one of the things I believe that God himself had to intervene. As, and, I'm, I'm, and I'm saying that very sincerely, and I'm laughing, but I'm not being funny. I'm, I'm being serious. I'm just thankful to God Almighty. And so I want to thank you guys. So Austin should be back with us tomorrow. He's a little bit stiff, a little bit sore. Uh, he ended up in the emergency room and had to be checked out. So, but he's every, all the tests came back negative. So uh, he's fine. So again, I want to thank you so much for the prayers and for what you guys have done for us as far as the support. You guys are absolutely amazing. Oh, by the way, this weekend silver has been the topic of everybody, and you know, and this morning it has gone up a little bit, but it hasn't had the major spike that we thought it would. But the reality is that we've got to understand what silver is. It's a major, major commodity. You know, it's not like game stock. It's a huge, huge, huge commodity. Now, Bloomberg's got an article that says most active futures jumped as much as 13% to $30.35. And Alice on the comics, the highest in eight years, that followed a weekend buying binge that overwhelmed online sellers of silver coins and bars from the U.S. to Australia, Black Rocks. Rothschild investment firms, iSilver Trust, the largest exchange traded product tracking the metal, recorded an unprecedented $944 million net inflow on Friday. Like the buying stampeding game stock and other small cap stocks that have been captivated the financial world in recent weeks, Silver's advance can be traced to Reddit's Wall Street's forum. One post last week declared the metal the biggest short in the world and encouraged traders to pile into the iShares Trust as a way to stick it to big banks. Now, here's the big problem, guys. When you start buying silver paper, they can pretty much do what they want to do with it if you're not taking physical delivery. Yet silver differs in one in important ways from stocks like GameStop. For one, the scope for a short squeeze in silver is far less obvious. Money managers have had a net long position on the metal since mid-2019. Futures and options data from the Commodity Futures Trading Commission show the market for silver is also, by some measures, much deeper than those for smaller stocks like GameStop. The bricks-and-mortar video game retailer had a market capitalization of about $1.4 billion mid-January, 
before the Reddit frenzy sent the company's value soaring more than 16-fold. By contrast, London Vault, and this is not true, by the way, this is what they're saying, held 1.08 billion ounces of silver at the end of November, according to the LBMA data. That's worth almost $32 billion at current prices. While traders will learn commodities are stocks, what's more, it's unclear how long retail investors will stick to the silver trade. Already, some prominent members of the Wall Street Bets Forum have advised against it, with some noting that Ken Griffin's Citadel Advisors LLC, a favorite boogeyman of the Reddit crowd, is listed as one of the biggest shareholders of the iShares Silver Trust. Whether or not the rally fizzles, it could have ramifications beyond what has typically been a relatively niche corner of the commodities world. As the first high-profile target of the retail frenzy to start trading on Monday, silver may help set the tone this week for managers trying to gauge how Reddit fuel volatility will impact their risk models and potentially cascade from one asset to the other. I'm going to go ahead and post the rest of this article on, on our Health Masters website. It's a Bloomberg article, so you know it's going to be jaded towards the bankers. We got that. That's pretty much obvious. But the reality is this, and we've got to take a look at this. Is silver still a great investment as far as a hedge against the loss of the dollar value? Yes. But here's the problem with trying to get into a trading frenzy with silver. It's called naked shorts. I've talked about it many, many times. They can go in and they can go ahead and put a, sell a billion ounces of silver if they wanted to. It makes no difference at any money amount of money at any with no bottom. In other words, it could drop down to two dollars an ounce, and they sell this billion dollars billion ounces of silver at no bottom with naked short, and then they end up basically forcing the market down. The problem with this is in the old days with the commodities market. The commodities had to be settled at the end of the day with the commodity. In other words, the person who did the shorter, did the longer, bought the silver, received the silver, received the gold. That's not what happens anymore. They're able to settle the commodity markets in dollars without giving the people the silver or the gold. And as long as it's like that and you don't take actual delivery of the metals, they can continue the massive manipulation of the silver and the gold market. This is why gold is not 20000 an ounce. This is why silver is not $1,000 an ounce. This is why, because of the naked shorts and settling the contracts in dollars instead of the metals. And until that gets changed, the Rothschild banking cartel, the international banking cartel, the international market cap, this giant Wall Street Ponzi trading, you know, legalized gambling scheme will continue in a rigged market. That's the problem they're going to have as far as these Reddit investors. They don't have deep enough pockets to go after naked shorts. Now, the silver will spike. It already has spiked a few dollars an ounce. But the reality is, will it go through the roof? Will it go to $40, $50, an ounce? Uh, the answer is no. It's not going to do that until the Rothschild banking cartel, the international bankers, say it can. Right now, it's still you know, trading at $28 and some cents. It has spiked as high as $29.50. And you can tell every time it goes up, more naked shorts hit, more naked shorts hit. Remember, as long as there's no limit on naked shorts, they can, they can literally hold this price down as long as they want to. That's why I always tell people, don't put all of your dollar-denominated assets okay, in gold and silver. 
You've got to have some liquidity in your own portfolio. You can put it in blue chip stocks. You can keep it in cash. And I'm not giving you financial advice. I'm not a financial advisor. I'm just telling you what has worked for a lot of investors over the years. You don't want to have to go in and say, well, I've got to go sell some silver now to try to buy groceries. That's not where you need to be. As long as this rigged Ponzi scheme is going on using dollars as the reserve currency and settling these contracts in dollars, you're going to find yourself in a mess if you try to go against these guys who have unlimited amounts of dollars. In other words, it's not going to do what GameStop did. It's not going to do it. It's not going to go up 16-fold. It's not going to happen. So just be aware of that and be very, very careful because these guys are kind of chafing at the bits, wanting you to dump all of your cash in so they can run naked shorts to pull the money back from you that they lost, you know, last week, you know, with that market with, with game stock. So just be very, very careful. Now, you do have people out there that are continuing to promote buying silver and gold, which I think is a good idea as far as for your portfolio to hedge against long-term inflation, the loss of value of the United States dollar as the reserve currency, and basically as something that you need to hold forever, okay? Because the dollar has lost quite a bit on the international markets, especially against the Swiss franc. But the Swiss franc, also another Rothschild-controlled dollar, Swiss franc is another Rothschild-controlled, you know, basically currency, put it that way. The Swiss franc basically is continuing to buy dollars to try to maintain its value against the dollar and the dollar's value against it because they don't want the Swiss franc to get so overvalued that people don't want to buy Swiss products. Because as long as the petrodollar is in existence and we're only buying oil from the Middle Eastern countries, now some other Middle Eastern countries are no longer selling oil, they're doing it in euros or whatever, or in the Chinese yuan, but as long as that's the primary means of trading for oil, petrodollar, we're going to have stability as far as long-term, how should I say, value of the dollar. Now, will it stay where it is currently? I don't know. Probably not. But it's going to be a slow decline. Now, some people are talking right now as far as, you know, that, that Garrett's, that McLeod is right, that there is no liquidity in London. The bullion banks are short 100 million ounces of silver. That's probably true. But again, as long as they can settle their contracts in basically dollars and not in silver, it really doesn't matter to these guys when they print the funny money. So I just wanted to share that with you real quick. In fact, uh, January the 31st, this was out of King World News, Egon Van Guritz out of Switzerland, all things are poison and nothing is without poison, only the dose makes the thing not poison. These words were expressed by the famous Swiss physician and scientist Barclayus in the 16th century. He goes on to say, this week I will discuss two poisonous areas, a toxic derivatives market in silver and the ambiguous fake silver coins and bars. And he goes, central bankers are the master forgers. Most blatant toxic forgery is carried out by central banks around the world. These banks manufacture tens of trillions of fiat paper or electronic entries and then tell the people that it's real money. If ordinary people would print money, the forgers would go to jail and the money would be destroyed as fake and worthless. But when the central bank prints money, no one goes to jail. Instead, they tell us this money has the same value as the money already in circulation. and They might actually be right. Take the dollar. In real terms, it's lost 98% of its value since 1971. So all of the dollars circulating are virtually worthless. This is not much different than freshly printed dollars, which are also worthless. But I'll let you guys continue to read through this. Now, I'll say something about this. The other day I saw a 
1968 Camaro Rally Sport. It was at a Chevy dealership. It had been restored. They were asking $50,000 for the car. They had 47, 48,000 in the car in the restoration. Full paint, full body off restoration. You know, the car looked like it was off the showroom floor in 1968. Now this car probably sold for in 1968 for a couple thousand, maybe $2,500. You think, well, can't believe those cars were that cheap back then. Yet they really were. And so the reality is, is that the dollar has lost that much value. And of course the new Camaros are much higher quality and do a lot, whole lot more than that 68 did. But the reality is, is that the dollar has lost value against pretty much everything because of the massive amounts of money that have been printed. So gold and silver are hedges against that. Now that's, that's, I want to be very clear about that. Silver, you know, probably back in the sixties was a couple dollars an ounce. Now it's $30 an ounce. Gold, the same thing. You could buy gold back around, uh, I think in the early 2000s for about $250 an ounce. Now it's, you know, around $1,800 an ounce. So if you keep part of your portfolio in gold and silver, it should maintain parity with the value of which it was purchased. So it's a really good hedge against inflation for maintaining a value. I had a friend of mine. His name was Henry Minx. Good friend. He's dead now. May he, re- may he rest in peace. Somebody fussed at me for saying that. May he have fun in heaven. I'll put it that way. And Henry was a great guy. Great, great, great man. And he told me that he, he always kept about 10% of his portfolio in metals. And he said that that could let him sleep good at night in case everything else fell apart. And I also recommend that you keep part of your portfolio in metals, whether you keep it, you know, in a safe location or you store it at home. Be really careful where you keep it. But just remember, you need to keep part of your portfolio in metals. Now, here's an interesting article from Sputnik News, and I'm not sure how to deal with this once I'll let you guys do it. I'll just read you the article. Top Trump campaign donor Alex Jones reportedly funded the rally before the U.S. Capitol riot. On January the 6th, the rally of Trump supporters led to an attack on the Capitol building. As the certification of Electoral College was being held, causing multiple deaths, which some of these deaths were caused from like you know, heart attacks and people dying. They, this is an exaggeration. The $500,000 rally in Washington's eclipse that preceded the riot was reportedly funded by multiple pro-Trump organizations. Then they list a daughter of the public supermarket chain funder, George W. Jenkins, and also Alex Jones allegedly provided the lion's share of cash to stage the $500,000 demonstration in Washington's eclipse where the U.S. former for U.S. president spoke. Now, this is an interesting article because they're implying that, you know, <laughs> Alex Jones and this public heir did this. Uh, they said that uh, before supporting Jenkins and her fundraising activities, InfoWars founders Alex Jones reported personally vowed to give $50,000 to reserve the 52-acre park for the event in exchange for the top speaking slot of his choice. The WSJ reported citing a funding document. Now, you know, I've got to say a few things. I don't listen to Alex Jones. I don't follow him for various reasons, and I don't really mention him on the show by name, but I just let you know that I do not follow Alex Jones at all. I personally think that his following of the president for the past four years was extremely partisan. I think he lost some of his objectivity as far as reporting on President Trump, but that's how I feel. That's my opinion on it. 
but I don't listen to him for that and other reasons. But now I've got to come back in his defense and say this. If he was going to give $50,000 and the reason he did it was to have a top speaking slot of his choice at the rally, which was supposed to have over a million people, what he was doing was basically allowing himself to be to have maximum exposure at the rally. Now, here's why I say this. I remember back in the 90s, back when Peter Lowe was doing the success seminars, he would spend sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars. I was one of the speakers at these events back in the 90s. About, you know, some of the, I started back in 93, 94. I spoke there for six, seven years. I spoke at over 100 events. I spoke to over 1 million people in attendance. And that's where I got the exposure to so many of the top leaders of the world. And what's interesting about this is Peter would spend literally millions of dollars a year in marketing. So if Alex Jones looked at this as a $50,000 investment to have a top speaking slot, that's a lot of money. But he figures maybe he figured he could generate enough revenue from it in support of his companies to allow him to justify that expense. I don't know. All I know is that these events led to this capital mess, which led to this one lady being shot, which led to basically Donald Trump pretty much declaring martial law in the Capitol and putting troops on the streets. Joe Biden did not do that. Donald Trump did that. This weekend I received, I've got a friend of mine who has a congressional leader who's one of his best friends, and he went to D.C. by the Supreme Court building, and you'll see this posted on the top of the news stories at healthmasters.com for Sunday. And he actually walked by the Supreme Court in the Capitol building, in the Senate building, and there's giant fences all around that area now. And they have troops and police literally every three to five to ten feet. And all of the troops are, of course, the National Guard carrying full machine guns. And you could, he's in the band, the congressional the congressman is walking by these guys and asking them questions about why they're on the outside of the fence. In addition to that, he is told to get on the other side of the road, basically threatened by one of the believe it is a Washington, D.C. police officer, official, and all of this is on the video that I've posted on the website. This is very, very much inside information. It was never published in any news stories. So I want you guys to watch that. But this is the extent of the martial law that we have in D.C. that is precipitated by Donald Trump putting in troops in D.C. and erecting all of these barricades. Donald Trump did this if you believe that he was in charge as president for the inauguration. Now, personally, I believe that Donald Trump was a figurehead. I believe there are other people, shadow government that's running the United States this past weekend. In fact, it was yesterday. I went to the car wash, and I was getting my pickup truck washed. And I pulled up to basically dry the truck, and there was a former political figure here in Polk County who was a high-up elected official who lost in the last election. Now, I've known this gentleman since the early 70s. He's a really good guy. In fact, he's the one who pushed for our county to be a Second Amendment sanctuary county, and he lost his election. And I started speaking with him, and he told me that a lot of the local politics was controlled through the Masonic Lodges here in Central Florida. And you think, wow, but it's the same thing that I've told you guys. This is not something that's isolated to our county here in Central Florida. This is systemic. We, you know, George Washington was a Mason. 
And when he laid the cornerstone for the Capitol building, he showed up in full Masonic garb. You know, one of the largest in the history of the world Masonic parades was held in D.C. led by Washington. So the Masonic lodges still have tremendous power in the United States, especially in local elections. A lot of this from a national standpoint was given over to the United Nations and to, and also to the, you know, the, the Bilderberger Group, the Council on Foreign Relations and a whole bunch of other people that have also taken over the control of the world's economies and the world countries. So we have a situation here where, you know, we've had a rally that was paid for by one of, the, one of the top rated people as far as amount of people listening to him, you know, in all media. So again, I want to share with you, and it's so important, and this is, this is critical that we understand this, that all media in many cases, and I'm not laying any specific names out here. I'm not pointing to anybody that all media in many cases has become a pawn in the hands of the international banking cartel cabalists that run the world. And I personally believe about 90% of all media is compromised. Either they've been taken to the side and told you don't talk about this, 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 or this, or they have been funded by these same organizations and groups that are funding the New World Order. And they're being used through Operation Mockingbird as a mouthpiece to get information and disinformation out there. So I want to like we're all urge you guys to understand that it's so important to vet the stories that are coming out. You know, most people are telling everybody to pile into the silver right now, pile in, pile in, pile in. But I'm, you hear me? I'm not telling you to pile in the silver. Why? Well, because you know, naked shorts. And right now, silver has spiked up to 29.50, and as we speak, it's down to about 28.50. I mean, it's going up and down, up and down, up and down based upon the naked shorts. So understand that you, that what, what's going on here. Now, a little bit lighter of a story. I wanted to say this and let me just kind of make it a little bit more uh, enjoyable here as far as listening to this. Uh, cheerleading coach quits after being accused of microaggression against black cheerleaders hairstyle. Now, <laughs> I started laughing when I saw this. The coach of a Kansas college cheerleading team has resigned after being accused of perpetrating microaggressions against a black cheerleader's hairstyle and removing her from the squad. A press release by Ottawa University noted that the stunt coach, Casey Jamerson, chose to step down from her position in the aftermath of allegations lodged by a student member of her team. The school's press release claims that the resignation resulted from January 5th incident in which team member Taylin Jefferson, she's a black lady, 20 years old, claims that the coach asked her to remove a hair bonnet that Jefferson was wearing because she worried her long braids could hit a teammate in the face. According to the Kansas City Star, Jefferson's teammate posted the student story to social media revealing what Coach Jamerson allegedly, allegedly said about black people's hairstyles. The coach, the star coach reportedly told Jefferson, you shouldn't have gotten seven foot long braids. Well, they were actually about three feet long. She proceeds to tell me that my box braids are a hindrance to my performance and they are not collegiate and I should never have gotten them in the first place. Now, 
the student added that the coach kicked her off the team because I was standing up for myself against microaggressive comments that the coach made towards me that made me and others feel uncomfortable. The school, however, claimed that the false and misleading information about the situation had been posted to social media and then picked up by certain media outlets. Coach Jamerson was thence subjected to unfortunate vitriol, harassment, and threatening comments online via mail and by phone. Jamerson filed a police report about the harassment. Now, I'm going to stop, okay? I don't know if her hair was basically causing problems as far as her cheerleading. But I can say this, if someone had hair that was three feet long, that was flinging in the air and slapping people in the face and getting caught in stunts and causing people not to get proper grips and all the other things or hitting people and swinging people and, you know, and striking them in the face like a whip, there's a possibility that the hair was too long. Just, just thought I'd mention that. I always get a kick out of these guys who play in the NFL with these dreadlocks and, you know, they got dreadlocks hanging halfway down their back. And, you know, it's so funny because every once in a while somebody will try to tackle somebody and they get a handful of dreadlocks and yoke them down by the dreadlocks. <laughs> and I just laugh. Now, that's back when I used to watch the NFL, which I don't watch anymore. But the reality is this. Sometimes you got to have a little common sense. I don't care if the person's black or white or whatever. If they've got three-foot-long braids hanging off their head and they're doing cheers and they're being thrown up in the air and flung upside down and swung around, et cetera, et cetera, and the hair is hitting people in the face, it's not microaggression for the coach to say, hey, just maybe the hair is a bit too long. Am I right or wrong? You guys think about that for a second. And if the hair really is too long and it's causing danger to the other students and to the other cheerleaders, maybe you need to get a haircut or wear a different hairstyle. Just thought I'd say. But I found it so funny that it was microaggression against black people because <laughs> because somebody called this girl out. It's amazing to me that this is actually happening and we actually are reporting on it. But I wanted to say this because I thought it was so, so funny. Oh, by the way, you know, we've got all kinds of problems now associated with this coronavirus vaccine. And, and what's really interesting about this is I've got a friend of mine, Gene, and his wife is a nurse, and she's saying now that pretty much everybody who's getting the second coronavirus vaccine is coming down with coronavirus. And, you know, that doesn't surprise anybody listening to this show. And, again, the treatment protocols that are being used by one of the doctors working with his wife, and he's awake, is they're using ivermectin, which is like zinc as far as stopping the replication process, vitamin D, vitamin C, and, you know, and other nutrients that our body needs in order to maintain health and to fight the virus. And he's having really good results with this. You know, newsflash to you guys. You guys knew this a year ago when we started telling you about it. But the reality is, is this. When we talk about what's happening, you know, from a national standpoint and what's happening from the vaccines, we really have to take another look at this because, guys, if almost everybody, according to this individual, is coming down, with coronavirus after the second jab, what's going to happen to them? What's going to happen to them if someone's not there to intervene with ivermectin or with zinc or with C or D3? I mean, who's, who's not going, if they're not going to have that, have that ability, what's going to happen? Well, I can tell you what's going to happen. They're going to have massive septus and they're going to end up dying. This is the research that was done. So what are the globalists do? 
How do they respond to all of these people coming down with coronavirus? Well, globalist Klaus Schwab, he says this, as long as not everybody is vaccinated, nobody will be safe. I mean, I don't even know what to say about that. I mean, he's, the guy's a nut. He goes, speaking of this year's Davos Agenda, World Economic Forum, WEF founder and chairman Klaus Schwab, who wears really weird clothes, by the way, declared nobody will be safe until everybody is vaccinated with a COVID-19 immunization. The man behind the, quote, Great Reset, plans on using the pandemic to usher in a new era where the global elite retain total control over humanity. One reason Swab and his ilk would like to vaccinate us, as many humans as possible, is to implement a Big Brother-style surveillance system equipped with the latest spy technology. Schwab WEF writes, faced with deep recession governments around the world, well, duh, you shut the whole planet down. You guys are the ones who did it. Faced with deep recession governments around the world are considering the use of immunity passports to allow a degree of normality to return, end quote. Wait. So they're saying that the only way we're going to get back to normal is everybody has to get an immunity passport and get jabbed up. Unbelievable. Libertarian icon Ron Paul warns against such a change, saying, quote, the Great Reset will dramatically expand their surveillance state via real-time tracking. It will also mandate that people receive digital certificates in order to travel and even technology implanted in their bodies to monitor him, them. This is a quote from Ron Paul. I'm going to read it again. The Great Reset will dramatically expand the surveillance state via real-time tracking, because remember, they're going to put chips in you. It will also mandate that people receive digital certificates in order to travel and even technology implanted in their bodies to monitor them. Wow. Continue with a quote. The system of tracking and monitoring could be used to silence those expressing dangerous political views, such as that the Great Reset violates our God-given rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. End quote, Ron Paul. So you're basically being silenced when you ex- dangerous political views that the Great Reset violates our God-given rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This is insanity. Not that Paul's saying this. Paul's right that the fact that these guys really believe they can do whatever they want whenever they want to do it. By the way, horrific latent deaths are predicted among the elderly by a genetics professor after immunization with RNA vaccines. And one other thing that's really important that you understand with this, Israel has one of the highest highest amounts of complicity, how should I say, of people getting vaccinated in the world, and they have one of the highest levels of COVID in the world, and they have like an incredible amount of people on ventilators because of what's going on in Israel. So we got some serious problems all over the world, including Israel, as far as people who are compliant getting really sick. Also, Professor Dolores Cahill, Professor of Translational Research, Molecular Genetics School of Medicine, University of College Dublin, She's also the chairperson of the Irish Freedom Party, speaking at the, the uh, rents.com, predicts impending mass death from RNA vaccines. She goes to say, I suppose there are potentially three adverse reactions from messenger RNA vaccines, beginning with anaphylaxis, severe, potentially life-threatening allergic conditions the first week. Therefore, these vaccines shouldn't be given in the second dose. Guys, we covered this in detail last week on Monday show. Please listen to it in depth again as to what they're saying as far as death rates. And quote, there's another article from LifeSite News that says there are 14 
obvious, crucial questions about the Wuhan virus vaccines that people need to ask. Number one, can I stop wearing the mask after I get the vaccine? And now they're saying we need to wear two and three masks. And the CDC says, now, if you're not wearing two masks, at least on mass transit, they can stop and fine you. Just thought I'd mention that. Can I stop wearing the mask? Government response is no, even with the vaccine. Can they reopen restaurants, pubs, bars, et cetera, and everyone work normally? The response is uh, no. Will I be resistant to COVID? The government's response is maybe, but we don't know exactly. It probably won't stop you from getting it. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta laugh at this. I mean, will I be resistant? Probably not. Uh, number four, at least I won't be contagious to others anymore. Government response, uh, no, you can still pass it on. Possibly uh, nobody knows. Well, I'm going to add that and say this. You will be extremely contagious, and you can pass it to other people if you take the vaccine. <laughs> number five, if we vaccinate all children, will school resume normally? The government response, uh, no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> and remember, the kids, when they get COVID, which is very, very rarely, they have like a 100% recovery rate. Number six. If I am vaccinated, can I stop social distancing? Government response, uh, no. Um, yeah, let me paraphrase that. Government response, no, you're a peasant. How dare you think you can hug a family member? How dare you think you can go to your family's home and enjoy one another as a family? How dare you think that you can stop social distancing? Peasant. <laughs> Number seven, if I am vaccinated, can I stop disinfecting my hands? Government response, uh, no. Now, I'm going to stop here for a second. Disinfectants on the hands using alcohol basin, you know, hand sanitizers and cleansers is not healthy. Just gonna let you know that. Hugel Clark said that the use of isopropyl alcohol allowed the liver flukeworm to complete its life cycle in your body, which leads to parasitic infestations and also to cancer, according to Hugel Clark. Now, what's interesting about this is alcohol also really dries the lipid membranes. On your hands. It's really hard to cause cracking of the skin, etc. Don't use alcohol hand sanitizers. If you've been exposed to COVID, I suggest you wash your hands on a consistent basis throughout the day. I do, especially if you touch things like gas pump handles. Every time I go to get gas, if there's an open bathroom, I basically go wash my hands. If I've got plastic gloves in the car, I put the plastic disposable gloves on, I handle the gas pumps. You think, well, why would you do that? What's wrong with gas pumps? I promise you, if I took a Q-tip swab and I swabbed the handles and I put it on a Petri dish, you know, on agar, and I heated it up and kept it in an incubator for a few days, I could grow fecal coliform on any of the handles. I've done this before in a laboratory at Florida State in a class called Biochemical Genetics. It was in the Conradi building, which has since been torn down at Florida State, but it was something that we did. We checked every handle, every stairwell, every handrail, every elevator button, every toilet seat, every toilet handle, every sink, knobs, everything had fecal coliform on it. Now, coronavirus is passed via fecal coliform. So washing your hands with water, and not touching doorknobs to leave the bathroom, not touching the sink handles, not touching the toilet lever. You say, well, how does all that happen? Okay, well, let's be blunt. When people wipe their bottoms after they have a bowel movement, in many cases, they get feces on their hands. Just thought I'd mention that in passing as an adult. 
for you guys. Now they've got poop on their hands. Many people do not wash their hands after they use the bathroom. I have not yet figured that out, but that's what they do. We know that coronavirus and colds and flu and viruses are transmitted via feces. We know that. So now people who have the poop on their hands, they touch the handle on the sink. Now there's poop on the handle. That's why so many bathrooms now have automatic flushing toilets and automatic flushing or just automatic sinks to turn on. But you still have to open the stall door to get out of the stall because it's not automatic. It has poop on it. So rather than getting you guys totally paranoid, let me just put it this way. Wash your hands every time you touch anything that's in a public area, including the handles of gas pumps or wear plastic gloves that are disposable. Now, here's the problem. Because we go through life having to touch this stuff, we can't constantly be washing our hands in isopropyl alcohol. It's not good for our skin. So make sure you use running water and you rinse your hands thoroughly. Now, if you have grease or oil or dirt or whatever, yeah, you may have to use some soap. But you don't need soap all the time, but you need to wash your hands with running water and not touch the handles when you get done. In other words, you can go to the sink. If you have to turn it on by hand, you can. Get your paper towel before you basically do all of this stuff. Stick it under your armpits. You can hold on to it. And then wash your hands and dry them with the paper towels and use the paper towel to turn off the sink and to open the door to leave the bathroom. You say, well, that sounds awful. Well, it's just safety, guys. It's something that I learned in biochemical genetics. So, yes, you continue to wash your hands. Because now, number eight, if I vaccinate myself and my grandfather, can we hug each other? Government response, no, peasant. You cannot hug Opa or granddad or Papa. <laughs> so if I vaccinate myself and my grandfather, can we hug each other? Uh, this is so stupid. You know, you know, just wash your hands before you hug each other. You know, and, you know, now here's the thing. I'm going to give you some common sense. If Opa, Grandpa, Papa, if they have coronavirus, don't hug them. If they got a cold, don't hug them. If they've got a virus, don't hug them. Okay. The same thing. Opa, don't hug your grandchildren if they're sick. Just the newsflash. But if everybody's healthy and everybody's, you know, doing great, we have hugged one another for millennium. Okay. And we don't die. I mean, it's, it's so stupid that you can't hug Opa anymore. It's ridiculous. Number nine, will cinemas and theaters and stadiums be reopened thanks to vaccines? Uh, government response, uh, no. <laughs> will the vaccinated be able to gather? Government response, uh, no. If you get vaccinated, you still can't gather. What is the real benefit of vaccination? Uh, government response, the virus won't kill you. Wait a minute. Does that mean you're still going to get the virus? <laughs> well, first of all, it's an RNA vaccine. It's not producing antibodies. It's not allowing your body to produce antibodies. It's rewriting your own cellular communications. So it starts producing spike proteins, which basically give you coronavirus. This whole thing's a lie. Government response, are you sure the vaccines won't kill me? The government response, uh, no. <laughs> They're not sure the vaccines won't kill you. Number 13, if statistically the virus won't kill me anyway, why should I get vaccinated? Ah, here we go. If statistically 99.997% people recover if they take the right supplements anyhow, why should I get vaccinated? Government response, 
to protect others. Wait a minute. This is just doublespeak. If you know the virus doesn't do anything, it won't kill you in the vast majority of cases, why should you get vaccinated so you can protect others from a virus that doesn't kill you anyhow? Nuts. 14. So if I get vaccinated, the others are 100% sure that I'm not going to infect them. Government response? Uh, no. So <laughs> to summarize, the COVID vaccine does not give immunity, does not eliminate the virus, does not prevent death, does not guarantee you won't get it, does not prevent you from getting it, does not stop you from passing it on, does not eliminate the need for travel bans, does not eliminate the need for business closures, does not eliminate the need for lockdowns, does not eliminate the need for masking. So what's it doing? Well, you know, it's basically they're telling you that you can return to normal if you do everything they tell you and get vaccinated. This is what Klaus Schwab, the founder of the World Economic Forum, says very clear in a talk by him. Everything that we are going through right now, including very dangerous, catastrophic lockdowns, remain with us forever unless we all get vaccinated. So, gosh, guys, think about this for a second. I'm going to go ahead and post this article because I find this extremely entertaining and actually very well written from LifeSiteNews.com on the, on the obvious crucial questions about the Wuhan virus vaccines. And uh, you guys can see it. It's by Steve Jalsevac. Very well written. And, and what's funny about all of this stuff is that we have to ask ourselves a question. You know, what in the world are we doing to the population of the planet with the vaccine that's causing all these problems? And now we're finding out that a Bayesian analysis proves that the SARS-CoV-2 is a laboratory-derived virus. Wow. The report was published on Zendo by Steve Carl. And, uh, and basically, you get the whole report. We've also got this posted at Health Masters. And Dr. Quay, a world-renowned scientist, published a paper proving that the SARS vaccine was originated in a laboratory. The report says that the starting probability was set up in a zoo with natural hypothesis. However, through comprehensive and detailed analysis, including different leverage cleavage sites, they call it. The conclusion is the probability of the SARS-2 originating in the laboratory is high as 99.8%. So what are they saying? There's a probability of 99.8% this thing was man-made. And what's funny about it, when they man-made it, they had to make sure they did a gain of function to it. In other words, they had to make it worse. And so they added an HIV component. Okay, which is, you know, AIDS, and they added a SARS, severe acute respiratory syndrome component to it to make sure that it was as deadly of a pathogen as it could possibly be. It was basically a bioweapon. I told, in fact, Sir Francis Boyle, a Harvard doctor, who was basically the author of the Biological Weapons Treaty back, I think, in 1988 or 89, he said it was a bioweapon. That's not me saying it, it's him. And it was released on the population there in Wuhan, either through a vaccine, trying to inoculate against it, which basically caused it to get public and go airborne and mutate, or actually release the virus itself. We don't know how it got out. All we know is that a bunch of people in China, as far as the research that we've seen and the news stories we've seen, died from it, and then it got over into the United States. But luckily, by the grace of God, I, mean, I guess we could say we were blessed by our immune systems, It, when it mutated, our bodies developed antibodies against it, and it wasn't nearly as severe as they thought it was going to be. But now this vaccine they're giving us, that's the real ticket, isn't it? The vaccine that Israel said back in February of last year when the Wuhan death was first released and coming into the United States, that they already had a vaccine against it. 
It's not working real well for the folks over there in Israel who have one of the highest rates of viral infection in the world and one of the highest levels of ventilator use per capita in the world, is it? By the way, German granny without a mask, I posted this, and a lot of it's in German, so I understood it. But you won't understand it, but it's, it's got a good article with it. It says, unless you speak German, German granny without a mask arrested and handcuffed by Merkel's COVID police. A 70-year-old woman out for a walk, just chilling out in the open air, and you watch this, is handcuffed in Germany and arrested by five to six German COVID police and hauled off to jail for not wearing a mask. And the elderly woman is so nice. You can tell she doesn't know what to do. She's like, why are you arresting me? I'm just walking around. The elderly woman said, I'm just walking and I'm maintaining my distance. And bystanders complaining loudly when she is cuffed. And they're fussing about this doggone, these cops locking her up. One man remarked, German Chancellor Angela Merkel. Now, I'll add one more thing to German Chancellor Angela Merkel, who I absolutely loathe. The people in Germany have been so brainwashed and indoctrinated by their media. I'm just letting you guys know that as, as bad as it is in the United States, that they really believe that Angela Merkel is a good chancellor. This woman was raised in East Germany as a hardcore communist. She wasn't a communist sympathizer. She was a hardcore communist. And the German people, basically, whether it was by election fraud or because of ignorance, put her into power. And she has done everything she can to destroy Germany, including bringing in millions of unskilled migrants from third world countries, massively destroying the DNA of Germany and also massively destroying the gross domestic per capita output and also closing down the country repeatedly because of the COVID. I completely and totally dislike this woman. I personally believe she should be taken out of office, though that every time we turn around, they can say that she's going to be taken out of office, but <laughs> they continue to leave her in. Now, here's the article that I referred to earlier from Zero Hedge. It says, medical tyranny. The CDC announces all travelers must wear two masks, and they are threatening arrest. The Center for Disease Control has issued a new coronavirus order. Now, wait a minute. How can the Center for Disease Control issue a new coronavirus order requiring double masks be worn for all forms of public transportation? Who voted on this? Where are the congressional people passing these laws? Are these more unconstitutional edicts? The CDC announced an order Friday that required people to wear, face, well, wear two face masks while using any form of public transportation, including buses, trains, taxis, airplanes, boats, subways, or rideshare vehicles while traveling into, within, or out of the United States. The order goes into effect at 11.59 p.m. on Monday. Masks must be worn while waiting, boarding, traveling, and disembarking, it said. The coverings need to be at least two or more layers of breathable fabric secured to the head with ties, ear loops, or elastic bands, and scarves and bandanas do not count. Whoa. So all of you who have been wearing scarves and bandanas, no way, not anymore, double-level masks. The CD said, it, it, okay? <laughs> I didn't vote on this. Maybe you guys did. The CD said it reserves the right to enforce the order through criminal penalties. 
but it strongly encourages and anticipates widespread voluntary compliance and expects support from other federal agencies to be implementing into this order. Wait a minute. It says it can do this. It says it's going to do this. It says fines will be issued. Good luck in the state of Florida. Our governor has said fines are not going to be issued by executive order. The tyrannical order comes after Joe Biden, the senile one, signed an executive order last week requiring all travelers to wear masks on all federal property. The establishment has been recently pushing double masks despite the ongoing rollout of the COVID-19 vaccines and decline in coronavirus deaths. White House Coronavirus Task Force leader, <laughs> the incredibly corrupt Dr. Anthony Fauci, is now promoting double masking, though he came out then today and said it wasn't necessary. Double-minded man is unstable in all that he does, despite saying in March of last year that wearing any mask wouldn't prevent the spread of the COVID, which they don't. So if you have a physical covering with one layer... You put another layer on. It just makes common sense. No, it doesn't. Sense like it would likely be more effective. That's the reason that you see people either double masking or doing a version of the N95, Fauci said this week. Inside Edition also lauded Biden, Mitt Romney, and Tom Cruise for double masking recently. And the New York Times called for Americans to wear a second mask earlier this month in an op-ed titled, One Mask is Good, Would Two Be Better? With double masking now being openly pushed, a new slippery slope of mask wearing has been introduced, with some articles beginning to promote triple masks. <laughs> how are you supposed to breathe, friends? Listeners, how are you supposed to breathe? You got three layers of of, 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 of gauze or whatever you put on your face. You can't suck in any air. You can't blow out any air. All you're going to do is suffocate yourself and give yourself a heart attack with elevated CO2 and reduced O2 levels. Unbelievable. Senator Rand Paul pushed back against the mask insanity earlier this month, urging Americans, if you've had the disease or you've been vaccinated and you're several weeks out from the second dose, throw your mask away. Well, Rand Paul, you're pretty compromised. This is one of the incidences with your you fell a long ways from your daddy when the tree of genetics was established with you. You say if you had the disease, which is true, by the way, I've had it, so is Austin, or you've been vaccinated, which I have not been. Now, Rand Paul's pushing vaccines, or you're several weeks out from the second dose. He's indirectly promoting the second dose. Throw your mask away. Gosh, guys, Rand Paul, Rand, Rand Paul I mean, every once in a while, he'll say something right. But in the vast majority of the time, this guy's a clown. Can't believe it. Oh, by the way, Los Angeles County bland, banned is now banning TVs at bars just in time for the Super Bowl. Now, I don't go to these bars that basically watch the Super Bowl. In fact, I don't really even watch TV, and I certainly don't watch the NFL. And I could really care less about the Super Bowl. But L.A. County is now banning TVs at bars just in time for the Super Bowl. Los Angeles County has decided that bars and restaurants can reopen. <laughs> I get a kick out of it. Biden comes in and everybody gets to reopen for outside dining. And it's only starting on Friday. But now there are new draconian restrictions that will kill even more businesses. One of the new restrictions that involves TVs. There will be no, no TV for the peasants in the outdoor dining area. With the Super Bowl coming up on February the 7th, county health officials are worried that having the ability to watch the game at a bar would lead to a super spreader 
event for the coronavirus. Super Bowl parties are an American tradition, and the Super Bowl is one of the biggest days of the year for bars and restaurants. Preventing to watch, preventing parties from watching, basically would destroy many small businesses. This is from Fox News. According to the health order issued by the county, televisions or other screens that broadcast programming must remain off. The rule comes to effect a week before the Super Bowl. Who makes up this stupid stuff, guys? You already are letting them go back into the bars and the restaurants. Why can't they watch the Super Bowl or watch TV? I mean, just, you can't make this stuff up. L.A. County Health Director Barbara Fierre said Wednesday that she's worried that the giant sporting event, which usually drives crowds to bars and restaurants for celebrations and watching parties, will become a super spreader event, and the peasants, the peasants might get sick. It would be tragic if the Super Bowl becomes the super spreader of coronavirus, Fair said, according to KTLAS. She also added that the residents should avoid large gatherings and refrain from throwing Super Bowl parties to prevent a situation where the virus could further spread. I don't think there are a lot of football fans working at the county health department. I mean, this thing goes on and on and on. So I've got this poster from Zero Hedge, and I just laughed about it. I thought to myself, how in the world can we be in a situation – can we be in a situation that we're being told that we cannot watch TV at a bar or a restaurant and watch the Super Bowl? Unbelievable. Oh, by the way, the Journal of the uh, of Medicine now says that hydroxychloroquine and zinc reduces COVID deaths. Now, I like ivermectin better, and I also because it does the same thing that zinc does. I also like potassium iodide, vitamin C, zinc. And basically intravenous vitamins if you come down with these types of diseases, with this type of disease. With this, with this, excuse me, I'm getting all these texts being sent to me and I'm being distracted. Early on the COVID-19 pandemic, doctors around the world reported high success rates using HCQ, hydroxychloroquine, and zinc. Back to medical review in January of 2021, issue of the American Journal of Medicine now urges the use of HCQ and zinc to reduce hospitalizations and deaths. HCQ is a zinc ionophore, meaning it shuttles zinc into the cells, and there's compelling evidence to suggest the primary benefit of actually is with the zinc, which effectively inhibits viral replication, the same as ivermectin. Right? But remember, ivermectin, zinc, potassium iodide, vitamin C, all of these things are in vitamin D3, K2 are all absolutely critical for your immune systems. So for patients with, with features of the COVID-19, body aches, nasal congestion, loss of taste and smell at home, treatment can be the same as those with confirmed COVID-19 cases, according to what the authors are saying. So what they're saying, again, is there are natural protocols that you can follow to reduce your risks of getting really, really sick if you come down with coronavirus and to avoid it. Very, very important that we understand this. By the way, the Children's Health Defense issued a really good article out here. It says that the California chapter sends a letter to all California superintendents regarding medical ethics, the emergency use regarding medical ethics, and emergency use products, voluntary testing, and vaccine safety. And what they're telling is to the folks out there is you can't be forcing people in the school systems to force the children and force the parents to be vaccinated. It says emergency use authorizations are illegal to mandate products under the EUA. And they are. Number two, the faults of the RT-PCR testing and the emergency dangers of the COVID vaccines. Number three, 
that we've got to look at is the fact that so many people who come down with these vac- get these vaccines basically get sick. And that we also need to also realize that children who are not asymptomatic vectors and the science show that COVID vaccines are risky for the kids. So I'm going to go ahead and post this on the article, too, on the website. So you guys can read through this. Now, also, this is another interesting article. It says that media company has filed an antitrust lawsuit against Google and Facebook. A West Virginia media company that operates several newspapers is suing Google and Facebook for threatening the extinction of local newspapers across the country by their alleged anti-competitive business practices. HD Media on January the 29th filed a lawsuit asking a federal court to determine whether the two Silicon Valley companies had violated antitrust laws. The lawsuit claims Google has unlawfully exercised monopoly power over digital advertising market, which has prevented newspapers from competing in the market and losing their primary source of revenue. And they're absolutely right. And again, I ask you guys a simple question. Why is it that Donald Trump didn't force and push by executive order like Biden's so good at doing legislation against or executive orders against Google and Facebook for what they're doing as far as censorship. Didn't do it. Remember, he signed that last bill with the spending bill, giving them protection. Guys, he's not who you thought he was. But I'll say one thing. I'll say someone who's, who's what they, we, we thought he was, and that's Jesus Christ. He is the author. He is the finisher. He is the perfecter of our faith. I want to thank you guys again for praying for Austin and for me, because I really believe it's through your prayers and through our prayers, it's the prayers in aggregate that God, that God basically touched Austin and saved him from this horrible, horrible accident he was involved in on Saturday. So thanks again for your prayers. And always remember, thou shalt call his name Jesus. He is the Lamb of God. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the Counselor. He is the Good Shepherd. He is our Savior, the Redeemer, the Deliverer, the Messiah. I love you guys. I appreciate you. Austin should be back with me tomorrow. God bless, and I will talk to you guys then.